every day uh, in your life, you love the Word of God and allow it to strengthen you and nurture you and build you up. It's an amazing gift that God has given us. And often it kind of sits on the shelf or on the table and collects dust. We don't want that to happen here at Riverview. We want the Word of God to be feeding us every day and building us up. That's our desire. With that in mind, let's have a word of prayer as we open up the Word of God this morning. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we have to open up your Word. I thank you that you are here with us. Lord, I pray that each and every day we would realize that you've called us to an amazing mission to go into all the world and make disciples. And Lord, I pray that as we do that as a church, that you would empower us and strengthen us. Help us, Lord, not to be fearful, but help us, Lord, to have courage. Help us, Lord, to trust that you are with us, that you never leave us, you never forsake us. And so we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are in a series entitled Ordinary Superheroes of the Old Testament. We're going to build the chronological history of the Old Testament. It's really our story, isn't it? Because this is a story of how God saved the world. And in saving the world, that includes you and me. As we have come to faith in Jesus Christ, he's changed your eternity. Before I came to Christ, I was hopeless, helpless, dead in my trespasses and sins. But because of Jesus Christ, he has made us alive. I hope you know that today, that this life will not always continue the way it is today. It's going to change. There will be a change coming, whether it be Christ returning or the end of my life. And we never know when that's going to happen. But we don't have to be afraid. I remember when I had my heart attack eight years ago and uh, coming out of my coma for nine days. And people have asked me, what, what did that teach you? And you know what? For me, in my experience, I don't remember slipping away. I just remember being wheeled through the hospital hallways looking at the ugly fluorescent lights on the ceiling. Amen? What a way to go, right? If that was the last thing you saw. But um, that's all I remember. And I said, you know, I, I, not that I ever was afraid of death before, because I, I've known the Lord for many years. I am totally less intimidated by death now. And, and I want you to know that uh, for many people, death is their greatest fear. And we're going to talk about fear in just a minute. We've talked about Adam and Eve at the very beginning. Then we talked about Abel and how he offered a sacrifice of faith to God. And God was pleased with that. And by the way, we're to do the same thing every day, amen? Every day we're to offer a sacrifice of faith to God by being a living sacrifice. The way I treat my spouse is a sacrifice and offering to God. The way I treat my neighbors, the way I treat my coworkers, how I use my time, how I use my resources. It's all to be a gift uh, to God, an act of worship. So every day we're, we're to worship God in everything we do. It's not just here on Sundays, even though this is a wonderful time, by the way, to come together with brothers and sisters like you are in my life and to hear you sing and to hear you worship, that, that's a wonderful blessing for me. And my prayer is that every Sunday you would be built up and encouraged by that. We talked about Noah, who obeyed God when it was difficult. He built a boat 510 feet long because he believed God that there was a judgment coming for sin. And then we talked about the Tower of Babel. 
the Tower of Babel, they wanted to build this tower to make a name for themselves. Not to glorify God, but to make a name for themselves. And our, our prayer every day for all of our lives is that we would glorify God in everything that we do. Like Jesus said, that they would see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Uh, may that be our desire. We're not doing good works to earn our way to heaven. We're doing good works to glorify our Father who is in heaven and who's already given us this amazing free gift of eternal life by faith in Jesus Christ. It's what's changed our lives. We talked about how God should be in the spotlight, not self. We're not to have God uh, on the sidelines. We're to have God in the spotlight of our lives. If any praise comes our way, we deflect it, reflect it to God. We make sure he gets the praise. Today I want to talk about our next ordinary superhero of the Old Testament, Abraham. A man who became the father of many nations, the Bible says, but the father of the nation through whom the Messiah would come. The seed of the woman that would one day do what to the head of the serpent? Yeah, or crush the head of the serpent. That he would have ultimate victory over sin. Uh, that came through the nation of Israel. Why God chose Abraham? It was a sovereign choice. God's in control, we're not. And the sooner we realize that, the better off we are, amen? The sooner we realize that God is in control and we are not, uh, we are in a better place. Because we're trusting in God. And Abraham was a man that certainly walked by faith. And if you have your Bibles, uh, I'd love for you to turn to John, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to talk about this. Uh, we all know about, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago, about Abraham's covenant with God. How God chose Abraham and made a covenant with him. In Genesis 12, God calls Abraham. If you have your Bibles, there should be one nearby. We love having our Bibles open. It says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, now uh, God changed his name to Abraham. I'm going to call him Abraham from now on. Uh, Go from your country and your kindred, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Uh, Abraham was living in the place called Ur, which is down by the Persian Gulf. We've heard of that, right? The Persian Gulf, the Persian Gulf War. Abraham was living in Ur, down by the Persian Gulf. God said to him, Abraham, I know you love Ur. This is your hometown. I know you love living here. But I want you to leave this place and follow me. You don't know exactly where you're going, but I want you to follow me. Abraham did. Verse 2, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will what? Curse. Wow. Pretty strong words by God. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. How would that happen? Well, that happened through the Messiah. Through Jesus Christ who came. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you, Abraham. Because from you will come this amazing person that will change the world. So Abraham went as the Lord told him. When you read that passage, you realize Abraham was a man who walked by faith. If you flip over to Hebrews 11, turn there, all the way to the New Testament. Hebrews 11 is the chapter known as the Hall of Faith. Hebrews 11 Abraham is highlighted, right? Verse 6 in Hebrews chapter 11. It says this, 
by faith, Abraham obeyed. This is verse 6 of chapter 11 of Hebrews. When he was called to go out to a place where he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out, what? Not knowing where he was going. See, that was the faith that Abraham had. That's the faith that you and I should have. We do not know where God is leading us exactly. We don't know what God has in store for us. But we're to follow God anyway. We're to follow God anyway. I remember years ago, there was a a TV show called The Money Maze. I, I grew up in New Jersey. And there was a TV show called The Money Maze. And The Money Maze was all about this. There was a large studio. And in the studio... There was a maze, and generally it would be a husband and wife team that would come and compete. How many of you ever watched the game show called The Money Maze? Anybody? Anybody? See, that's why it's not on anymore. I think I was the only person (laughs) that ever watched this show. I love this show. But this show was great because what happened was this. Uh, Let's say at the beginning of the maze, the husband would be at the beginning of the maze. He had to run through the maze in a certain amount of time to get to the middle of the maze and ring a bell. If he beat the clock, he won a lot of money. That would have been difficult except for the fact the wife was high above the maze, could see the whole layout of the maze. And she would yell down instructions, go left, go right, go straight. Not once did I ever see the person in the maze turn to the person high above the maze and say, forget you, I'm doing this on my own. I never heard that. Not once in all the ten times the show was on did I ever hear that. But it's amazing how many people will say to God who is high above the maze, amen? He sees the maze of life. He sees the path that leads to the prize. Not once in that show did I ever hear the person in the maze disobey the person high above the maze. But it's amazing how in our lives so often we disobey the one who is high above the maze of life. Who knows the path that leads to the prize. It's right here in the word of God. See, Abraham did not know where he was going, but he followed God. He trusted God. May that be our desire today. Hey, I want to follow you, God, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult. See, there was a moment in Abraham's life when he was fearful and doubted God. I don't know if you've ever been fearful of something in your life. What, what are you afraid of today? Uh, my wife is afraid of heights. I know that. You know, that's why she's a flight attendant. I don't get that. The two don't get, go together. But she's a flight attendant and fearful of heights. There are things I'm afraid of uh, that, that kind of scare me a little bit. I don't like going near the edge of a cliff either. I don't like that. I have a new fear. I walk my dog at night, uh, generally. And I don't know if your neighborhood is like this, but there are these massive spiders that build these webs between the trees. And I can't tell you how many times I have walked, and these, I see these spiders during the day. I can see them. They're way, like they're up there, really big spiders. And they build these massive webs. I can't tell you how many times I'm walking the dog at night, and all of a sudden this spider web just encases my face. I'm fearful of that. I, now I have a stick, and I go like this as I'm walking, because I don't want to run into that spider web again. I, I don't want it. What are you afraid of today? What is something that's fearful in your life? I like what this one Christian author wrote. This is what she wrote. To fear is one thing, 
to let fear grab you by the tail and swing you around is another, amen? Uh, We all kind of get that there are things that we uh, don't like, we're a little bit afraid of. And yet we know that the Bible says, and I've heard this, it's not really true. Someone has said, because I've heard other people say that, that the Bible says 365 times fear not. It's actually not that many. Uh, I looked it up. It's about, in the King James Version, it's about 110 times the Bible says fear not. But if you take all the phrases that tell believers not to be afraid, to trust God, to to fear not, it's over 500 phrases like that in the Bible. In fact, fear not is the most frequent command in Scripture, not to be afraid. But we know fear fear grips us. I, I came across in preparing my sermon This uh, quote from Floyd Patterson, who was the world heavyweight boxing champion. He said this, Fear is absolutely necessary in boxing. Without it, I would have been scared to death. I love that uh, quote by Floyd Patterson. Without fear, I would have been scared to death. You know, walking into a ring can be a fearful thing. Here's the bottom line of our talk today. Our faith in God and in His presence in our lives, must overcome, and here's the key word, I think, in understanding how God tells us to fear not, a paralyzing fear that often keeps us from living a committed life. This paralyzing fear leads us to make decisions totally contrary to the will of God in our lives, making matters even worse. That's what happened in the life of Abraham. I want you to open your Bibles again, Genesis chapter 12. We're going to read how Abraham became fearful. Even this man of great faith. Genesis chapter 12, verse 10. says this, Now there was a famine in the land. Now this is the land God was bringing Abraham to, right? It was the promised land. There was a famine in that land. So Abraham went down to Egypt. Now the reason why he went down to Egypt, because they had a, a very faithful supply of water in the Nile River. And they had food down there. To sojourn there. For the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarah, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abraham entered Egypt, and the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abraham. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord, I love the the butts of the Bible, don't you? But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So Pharaoh called Abraham and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him. And they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. See, now, Abraham was a man of great faith, but here he blew it. He doubted God's ability to fulfill the promise that God had made. Remember, God had said to Abraham, your descendants will outnumber the stars in the sky. You're going to make great nations out of you. All the earth will be blessed by your descendants. But Abraham began to doubt God's 
promise. When the famine hit the land, there's no indication that he sought God's advice. God brought him to the promised land, but he left there and went to Egypt, thinking that would be a wise move. Many commentators see that right there as an initial sin on Abraham's part. That's why God still uses ordinary people that still make mistakes. But then he compounds that sin by being deceptive. Now, technically, Sarah was Abraham's half-sister. They they were half-brothers and sisters. People have said, well, it was a half lie, but it was a half lie told to deceive, right? It was meant to deceive Pharaoh to save his life. And what saddens me about this passage, he was more concerned about his own skin, about his own safety, than what would happen to his wife. So here's the first thing I want us to realize. Realize tough times do not negate the powerful promises of God. Tough times do not negate the powerful promises of God. God gave Abraham amazing promises. And in the storm of a famine, Abraham began to doubt the promises of God. I love what Psalm 56 says. It says this, Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Abraham must have been concerned. Well, I, I, I starve here in this land. I need to take matters into my own hands. I need to leave this promised land and go to Egypt. There I'll be safe. There I'll have food. Never consulting God about this matter. You know, I have an acronym here for, for faith. Well, this is how, how I would perceive faith. It's this. Fear aside I trust him. Amen? Fear aside, I'm going to trust God and his promises. I'm not going to doubt the promises of God in the storm that God revealed to me in the light, in the revelation that he gave to Abraham. We're not to doubt the promises of God. I've seen this acronym for fear. It's this, forget everything and run. That's what fear is. That's kind of what Abraham did. Hey, forget all the promises about God that God made to me. I'm going to run to Egypt where I'll be safe. Even though there's a little bit of an issue here, they may kill me for my wife. No, I I think uh, for us, walking by faith is this. Fear aside, I trust God. I'm going to trust God. I define fear as this. Doubting God's presence, plan, and power. When confronted by difficulties, dangers, and opposition, paralyzing me into a life of missed opportunities to glorify God and opportunities to increase the impact of my life. See, if Abraham had trusted God, let's say he stayed in the promised land, he would have trusted God to provide for him. An amazing act of faith. Now, let's say it wasn't a sin. Let's say some people say, okay, it was an act of faith for him to go to Egypt. That was his best move to save his life. Okay, let's, let's grant that. But then to go down and lie to Pharaoh and others and say, my wife is not my wife, she's my sister. Knowing what would happen to her. Forgetting the promises of God that his descendants would be the the numbers that would cause many nations to come out of him. Descendants would be a, a massive number of people. That was a promise of God. There's no way, Abraham, your life is going to end. God has promised that many nations will come out of you. 
See, what God asks of us and what he was asking of Abraham, and he did it in the beginning. He followed God not knowing where he was going, but somehow he lost that courage. That's the opposite of fear in my mind. Courage is this, living with faith in God's presence, plan, and power. When confronted by difficulties, danger, opposition, freeing me to live boldly for God, glorifying Him, and increasing the impact of my life. Church, that's what we need to do. We need to live boldly for God. We need to live in such a way that people know, hey, I'm not ashamed of living according to the principles of God in my life. I'm not ashamed of taking the word of God and allowing it to be the guidebook for my life to walk by faith. I like what one uh, author wrote. Courage is fear that has said its prayers. And again, fear uh, is something that all of us experience. Courage doesn't mean going as close to the edge of the cliff as you can and seeing how close you can get to falling over without falling over. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a paralyzing fear that keeps you from trusting God. A paralyzing fear that may cause you to get distracted off the path God has for you and try to take matters into your own hands. Courage, I believe, is the quality of mind or spirit that enables one to face difficulty, danger, or pain with firmness and resolve. It's not necessarily the total absence of fear. It's what you do in the face of fear. When you are faced with uncertain times, and I'm not sure what you're afraid of today. Some of you may be afraid of death. Some of you may be afraid of uh, illness or sickness or pain. Some of you may be afraid of losing your job. Some of you may be afraid of losing a loved one. But God calls us to walk with courage. Yes, to act wisely and not put ourselves in unnecessary places of danger. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about not following God because we take matters into our own hands or we refuse to do what God tells us to and we're paralyzed by our fear, our fear of the opinions of people around us, our fear of what the world may say. I like what F.B. Meyer, a uh, well-known Christian commentator, wrote. He wrote this. When Abraham went down to Egypt, he went down without consulting the Lord, and thus the beginning of his experience was wrong. And the end of it is disgraceful because he was paralyzed by fear and failure to trust in the Lord, a fatal mistake. See, I, I love what he says here. The beginning of the experience was wrong. And the end was disgraceful. What end is he talking about here in the text in Genesis chapter 12? What happened at the end of this story down in Egypt? Pharaoh confronted him, right? And said, why did you do this? Why did you lie to me? I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but how terrible must it have been for a man of faith in the almighty God to be rebuked by an unbeliever? Hey, why would you do this? Why would you do this to me? To be rebuked by a total non-believer. Abraham, what you did was wrong. You should never have done this. 
And I'm sure in the back, even though it's not in the text, I'm sure in the back of Pharaoh's mind, he would say, and you claim to be a God follower? You claim to have an almighty God on your side? Abraham, how could you do this to me? We don't really know how Pharaoh found out, but he did. He found out that Abraham was lying and deceiving him. Here's the perspective I think we need to have on fear. Fear wrongly focuses my mind on a human perspective. When I'm afraid, I begin to doubt God's promises. I want to take matters into my own hands. If I go down there and say, my wife, who's beautiful, is my wife, I will die. Now, he didn't know that. He hasn't crossed that a bridge yet to that problem. He's not at that problem yet. He's inventing a problem that might happen, but it's not even there yet. It's amazing to me how many people worry about problems that have never even arrived. And how many people worry about problems that never ultimately come into their lives. That happens so often. We worry about things that never come to pass. Now, my, my... challenge to Abraham, looking back, and it's always easy to look back, right? Is to say, Abraham, remember the promise of God. You're going to have descendants. You're going to be the father of great nations. Nothing's going to happen to you down in Egypt. God is with you. God is there with you. See, the human perspective is this. Problems seem to indicate that God is failing, and I have to take matters in my own hands. God, if I go down to Egypt, hey, I thought all these promises were going to come true in my life, but we're in a famine now, and if I go down there, I'm in danger. Trust God. 2 Timothy 1.7 is a verse that probably all of us are familiar with. It says this, For God has not given us a spirit of what? Of fear. Not to walk around our entire lives fearful. We're not to live every day afraid of death. We're not to live every day afraid of something that might happen which keeps us from really trusting in God. What are we to have a spirit of? A spirit of power and of love. I love that, right? Spirit of love that permeates our lives. And of a sound mind that we think rightly about who our God is. See, we think so wrongly, we want to take matters into our own hands. Here's another thing fear does. Fear keeps me from adopting biblical wisdom. Not only does it get me off the path of God, like it did with Abraham, going down to Egypt, not trusting God in the land that God had promised to him, but then he began to lie to Pharaoh and everyone around him. Biblical wisdom says this, problems grow me. And open up opportunities for Christ and his gospel. We need to know that when problems occur, when challenges occur, it will grow my faith if I keep trusting God. It will grow me up and shave off those rough edges. And I'm not sure what uncertainty you're facing today, but I want to challenge you to walk by faith each and every day, to trust God. Here's the third thing. Fear does. Fear acknowledges that I'm not trusting God in the big and small moments of my life. Now you may say, well, no, I'm, I'm never fearful of something small in my life. I get that. But fear definitely acknowledges that I'm not trusting God. I'm not acknowledging God in my life. 
See, a right trust of God is this. My confidence in Christ emanates from who he is and what he did for me on the cross, which strengthens my faith, especially during difficult times. I love what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. Lean not on your own what? Understanding. In all your ways what? Acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. See, there's no way Abraham could say, oh, yeah, you know, my whole deception down here in Egypt about mentioning that my wife is my sister, that's all from God. That's his plan. He couldn't say that. I'm sure as he left Egypt, he realized that his testimony with Pharaoh and the opportunity he had to allow God to be strong was missed. The opportunity he had for God to be strong in the life of Pharaoh was missed. The testimony he could have had in Egypt was destroyed. And he left Egypt a failure in Pharaoh's eyes. Isaiah 41.10 says this, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In Psalm 23 today, we just read, right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. For why? For you are with me. For you are with me. And again, I'm not advocating that you put yourself in dangerous positions. I'm not advocating that you, you go out and seek dangerous places to walk or, or be or do dangerous things. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this. As we are walking down the path God has called us to walk, we should not be fearful. We should not be intimidated by people around us. We should not be intimidated by circumstances. It's in those difficult circumstances that we can see God become strong. And I believe Abraham missed it. He missed that opportunity. Here's the second main point. It's this. Remember to always choose God's guidance over our sinful scheming. I'm not a fan of white lies. I hope none of you are either. I'm a fan of telling the truth. And if you're doing something that you have to lie about to cover up, then don't do it. It's a great indication that it needs to stop. There's always a better option. It's God's guidance. Let's be people of integrity. Abraham certainly wasn't. And he left Egypt embarrassed about his actions. He left Egypt an enemy of the Pharaoh when he could have been a person with amazing impact on the life of Pharaoh. When I compare fear versus faith, it's this. Fear forgets God. Bottom line, fear forgets God. I'm going to keep walking. Yeah, I'll be as, as wise as serpents, innocent as doves. Remember Jesus said that? We're not to be foolish in the way we walk. We're to be wise. But if we become fearful, we forget God and who he is. Faith turns to God in the midst of our fearful moments, in the midst of our anxiety and worry. Fear turns to God, not at the end of the process, but at the beginning. What are you worried about today? Turn to God. Fear inflates problems. See, Abraham was already worried about a problem that didn't exist. 
He thought this might happen. We have no indication that it would have. But he did this sinful scheming about a potential problem, which makes it even worse. He inflated the problem that didn't even exist yet. See, faith faces the actual problem. When I come to that problem, I will face it trusting God. And I will not do any sinful scheming. I'm going to follow God. See, fear compromises God's truth. Faith trusts God's solutions. If I'm having problems in my marriage, trust God's solution. Don't do any sinful scheming. Don't try to get back. Don't try to get even. Uh, someone wronged me at work. I'm going to do my sinful scheming and try to get back at the, this person. I'm going to get even. No, I'm going to trust God's solutions. Well, what, what happens, Mel, if, if I trust God and I'm, I actually lose my job for that? God will get you another job. Trust God. And I know that's easy for me to say and hard when you're in the midst of that problem. But that's how we need to trust God. That's how we need to trust him. Instead of compromising his plan, and his truth. See, fear drags others down. You see what this did to Sarah? Can you imagine how she must have felt when Abraham gladly gives her over to Pharaoh as one of his wives? Now, most scholars believe that there was never any consummation between Pharaoh and Sarah, that this all occurred. The plagues start to hit the house immediately, and the truth came out. So there there was some time there. Typically in that culture, when you take a wife, you give a dowry to the family. That's where all these animals came from that Abraham got. Probably happened at the very beginning. But Can you imagine how that must have made Sarah feel? See, fear drags others down. They see the fear in your life, and they're not challenged by your testimony. They're discouraged by it. And think of what happened to Pharaoh and his household. All these plagues began to hit his household. It dragged his whole family down. When Abraham could have been a powerful testimony to Pharaoh. See, faith lifts those around you. I want to be a dad that lifts my kids up by my faith, not drags them down by my fearful actions. Am I doing it perfectly? No. Do I want to grow and get better? Yes. That should be our desire every day. God, help me to walk by faith more and more. Help me not to be fearful. And if I face a a, a fearful situation, help me to have your wisdom, to not compromise your truth, but to walk through that problem in a way that honors you. See, fear ultimately destroys our testimony. People see believers in God walking around in fear. That's not a testimony that anyone is challenged by. But faith impacts others to seek God. Hey, I want that confidence in my life that I see the people of Riverview living with. They're not afraid of death. They have a joy in the midst of the problems. Not necessarily a happiness, right? A joy just tells us this. There's a God who's in control. And God tells me that there is nothing that will be given to me beyond my strength to endure it. That whatever God brings me to, he will bring me through as well. He can give me the strength to handle it. See, that kind of faith impacts the lives of others. Point three is this. Remember, God is working in all circumstances, even when we don't see it 
or believe it. When the famine hit the land of, of Canaan, Abraham should have gone to God and said, God, what should I do? What are you trying to teach me through this? Let me seek your solution to this problem. No indication of that in the text. Goes down to Egypt and begins to lie and deceive. I believe God was working in those circumstances to test Abraham's faith. Abraham, you walked away from Ur trusting me. Can you walk through this famine trusting me? Can you even, if you do have to go down to Egypt, can you go down there trusting me? When we move from faith to fear, this is what I believe needs to happen. It's kind of a stepping uh, process, uh, one step after another. First step is this, a life-changing belief. Remember, we've said here many times, a faith that saves us is a faith that what? Changes us. So it changes the way we think. If we really believe there's a God who has all power at his disposal, a God who's sovereign and omniscient and omnipotent, then we can trust him to work it out. Just like Romans 8.28 says, we all know the verse, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God is working in all circumstances. A life-changing belief in God. The next step is this, trusting in God's promises. Trusting in God's promises. Well, Mel, what if you had died when you had your heart attack? What about your family? I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God that he's going to work it out. I'm not going to worry about that. If I have a heart attack today, I'm not going to worry about my family. God will take care of them. Now, of course, as a dad, I want to live as long as I can because I want to see my nine-year-old daughter grow up and one day get married and see my grandkids, and I would love that. But that may not be God's plan for me. I will trust God in this whole process. And then the courage to walk by faith, the courage to know that I believe in something so much that I'm willing to die for this belief. And if that's the case, then I'm not going to be intimidated by a world that says, Mel, be quiet. Don't talk about Jesus. When I know he's changed my life, when I know he is the most important person in my life, it's something I can't keep to myself. It's something that I did keep to myself. It would be the most selfish act of my life to walk by courage. Here's the next thing. To have perseverance with the end in mind. To not give up. In fact, in those moments when you feel like giving up, you know it's even more important to keep walking one step at a time. Now, I can't make it through the problem. Just take the next step. Take the next step. Obey God with the next step. The next step. Someone called me this week and we were talking on the phone. They were concerned about their, their plans for the future. And I said, you know, when I drove out here from Chicago to California, I got in my car and uh, as I'm driving, my headlights only see a certain distance, right? My, my headlights don't see all the way to California. They only see a certain distance ahead of me. Trust God in that near walk that you have. Take one step at a time, and as you walk down that path, He will make it clear to you what your decision is going to be in this matter you're concerned about. Take it one step at a time perseverance with the end in mind. And then here's the last thing I want to challenge us all with. Joy in the Jesus with me journey. That there's a joy that we ought to have. Jesus is with me. 
I'll have a joy in this journey. Sometimes it's going to be hard. Sometimes it'll be easy. But to trust God in the midst of those circumstances. Church, I I want to affirm this. God is always faithful even when I'm fearful. God is always faithful even when I'm faithless. God is always faithful so I can fear what? Less. And I am fearless because God is faithful. That's my goal, right? I I wouldn't say I'm there yet. That's my goal. God, you're faithful. Help me to live fearlessly, to not doubt your word in the storm. So you see, Abraham's real difficulty in the final analysis was an inability to apply his faith in the fearful circumstances of life. He let his fear override his trust in his faithfulness, in the faithfulness of God. Church today, may we be a church that walks by faith, that we do not get overcome by fear in our lives, but we trust God in the midst of our storm, whatever that storm is. Amen, church? Amen. Let's pray together. And as your hearts are bowed today, just say, God, I trust you. Tell the Lord, Lord, I trust you. I don't know where you're leading me. I don't know what you have in store for me, but I will trust you and follow you. Lord, we trust you today. You are a God that never leaves us or forsakes us. And yes, we live in a sinful world. Evil things happen. But God, we know that we can trust you in the midst of whatever challenge, whatever difficulty, whatever trial we face. Help us not to live fearfully, paralyzed by our fear. Help us to keep walking the walk that you've called us to walk. We love you, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together and sing this song. Oh, Lord, my God.